Uh, good morning, everyone. Are we good, Kate? Yes, thank you. Thank you. I'd like to convene uh, this morning's meeting of the Marin County Transit Board of Directors. Kate, can we get a roll call, please? Yes, I will now call roll. President Colbert? Here. Vice President Lucan? Here. Second Vice President Sackett? Here. Director Moulton Peters? Here. Director Radoni? Here. Director Rice? Here. Director Bushy? Here. Director Casisa? Here. Thank you. We have a quorum. Wonderful. Uh, item number one, there's uh, no need to consider this because all of the directors are present this morning. Um, I also want to just bring to everyone's attention that uh, a number of the uh, board members have to leave today. So I'm going to try and run a particularly uh, efficient meeting. And to that regard, I will be reordering uh, a number of the items. So uh, we're going to move item number two, open time for public expression, to the end of the meeting. And we are going to lead off with uh, item number three, the Board of Directors matters. Anything from my colleagues? All right, great. Thank you very much. We will now move item number four, the general um, manager's report to the following month. Okay. Um, we will then now move on to uh, item five. Now item three, the consent calendar. Uh, Kate, do we have any public comment in the room on consent? I'll give everyone a moment to raise their hands on Zoom. Yes, I see one public comment. Daniel DeShazo, please unmute. Hi, good morning. Hello, do you hear me? We can hear you. Okay. Uh, I have an issue with the signboards at the Redwood and Grant uh, bus stop. The north uh, northbound one has never worked. It doesn't uh, give you any uh, indication of it. Operation is blank. Um, so I don't know if I get off the 101, whether the 49 has been there or not. Uh, the southbound one is now not operational. It uh, uh, indicates the uh, error signal with the one-eyed floppy-eared uh, downturn mouth symbol. Uh, it, that's all that it is. It was working, uh, but now it's gone to that. And again, if I get off the 49, I don't know if the 101 has been through or if I have it a full hour left. Hello. Uh, thank you very much, sir. Any additional comments, Kate? There are no additional raised hands on Zoom. Thank you. All right, we will bring uh, public comment to a close. Any comments from my colleagues? Otherwise, I'll happily accept the motion on consent. I'll move consent. Second. We have a first by Director Molden Peters, a second by Director Rice. Since everyone's here, voice vote. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? None. Consent passes. We will now move on to item four. This is an action item, the Regional Transportation Revenue Measure. Nancy? Yes, this is item nine in your packet, and it asks you to consider endorsing a set of principles to guide Marin Transit's participation in regional transit coordination efforts. Uh, these principles could be used to establish positions on legislation regarding a regional transportation measure. So MTC has recently approved broad, a broad and flexible framework 
for enabling legislation for a future transportation revenue measure. And a summary of that proposal is shown in attachment A to item nine. Um, I will briefly outline some of the key elements of that framework. Uh, it includes four expenditure categories, transit transformation, safe streets, connectivity, climate resilience. It does not specify amounts or percentages that shares that would be allocated to these categories, but it, again, is rather broad and flexible. It would authorize a menu of revenue options generating between one and $2 billion annually, and would, uh, well, not annually, sorry, one and $2 billion, that would be really good. Um, one and $2 billion, sorry. Uh, and it would allow the measure to be placed on the ballot within uh, the nine Bay Area counties or a subset of the counties. The legislation would allow MTC to place a measure on the November 26th ballot or later. The framework also calls for strengthening MTC's network management role to deliver customer-facing priorities sooner. In this role, MTC would be responsible for setting policies and standards related to fair payment, uh, fair integration, schedule coordination, mapping and wayfinding, real-time information, and other operating policies. And each or, or most of these topics are covered by the Transformation Action Plan and MTC's regional network management approach. So in the uh, report, you'll see that uh, we've identified the representation that we have at MTC through our MTC commissioner, Stephanie Moulton-Peters, uh, on the board and on that regional network management committee, as well as uh, myself, and I'm representing the small operator general managers as one of three on the regional network uh, management council. So this uh, item would give us some information for how we might uh, participate in those discussions. So we've outlined that, the, that sort of participation, if you will, in uh, principles that are shown on page three of that board item, and it's page 59 of, uh, in your packet. Principles are arranged into three, three groups, uh, funding categories and allocation, revenue source and timing, and then governance and oversight. And I'll go over each of those somewhat briefly. Um, in the funding categories and, and allocation, we have asked for fair funding for transit and other categories to support local and regional transit throughout the region, supporting the alternative modes, bike, ped, safety, and O&M improvements throughout the region, and resilience pro projects. Uh, generally, these types of improvements in, in, that we're suggesting in this principle are included in the four funding categories of MTC's framework. Um, <clears throat> we want the funding to have broad eligibility. We don't, in other words, we don't want them focused just on priority development areas, but that it would be broader than that. And then if and when projects or priority types are discussed, then uh, we want at least the following potential Marin County projects or project types to be prioritized. Uh, transit facilities uh, and zero emission buses, transit priority projects, both on our arterials and on freeways, uh, resilience projects, and then pathway and access projects. So that's just a, a few of the ideas that we had for the projects that might be named if they are to be named in, in a measure. What's a resilience project, if I could? I'm going to turn to MTC's definition here, uh, or description. It's not really a definition, but they have, uh, in the four categories that they've identified, 
<clears throat> excuse me, and I can give you the page number on this. Um, it is on their slide five, it's page 65 in your packet. And what they're talking about climate resilience is to fund planning, design and or construction activities that protect transportation infrastructure from rising sea level, uh, flooding, wildfires and extreme heat. Okay. So <clears throat> the next category is revenue sources and timing. And we, we've suggested that one of the principles be, a main principle be that it is a reasonable ask of the voters. And, the, and that would mean including that there is an assurance that there is some geographic equity and or a return to source type of element, which means that if Marin County is going to be voting on this, that we should get our fear of revenues returned to us. Um, we'd like also the measure to address the sales tax cap issue that is facing certain of our local jurisdictions who are at that sales tax cap. If a, the sales tax is the revenue source that's selected, that there be a uniform or, or regional approach to, to dealing with that. So we aren't doing that on a one-off basis. Uh, we'd also want to address the timing here, which has to do with uh, confusion with the, the regional housing bond measure that will be up in 2024, as well as the future smart, potential future smart measure, and that we want to make sure that there isn't some competition, confusion, that sort of thing, and in fact, maybe maximizing the synergy with that measure. So then the last category deals with governance and oversight, and we're suggesting a principle here that says that the existing MTC structures for oversight of transit agency coordination be used, uh, that we don't create new bureaucracies, which would be a separate entity, for example, uh, separate staffing, that rather we have that already in place at MTC through this RNM, Regional Network Management Structure and staffing that has just been adopted. Um, so, so that's part of it. And then also that that coordination role should be happening at the regional level rather than at the state level. So rather than a state mandated type of coordination requirement. Um, next principle would be that we respect the local transit board authorities and strengths, uh, particularly as many of these boards either are or related to local transit measures, that uh, local funding measures. And then uh, regarding the transit agency consolidation and in the report, I've identified two different uh, pieces of state legislation that are, are out there regarding transit agency consolidation. And we've suggested that that should occur only when it improves regional and local transit, it's cost effective and is consistent with locally approved policy. So those are, those are the principles that we are suggesting and I'm happy to hear any uh, comments or uh, questions that you have about that. Uh, in conclusion, I'd just like to thank Ann Richmond, TAM's executive director for her help in drafting these principles. So uh, just to let you know, the staff recommendation is that your board endorse these principles as guidance to Marin Transit's representatives who are engaged in discussions of the regional transit revenue measure. Thank you, Nancy. Questions? Oh, uh, Director Lugan. Uh, thank you, Nancy. Um, just, just a question on, you know, should, should something like this co come to pass? Um, 
the the 55 percent that Marin Transit gets from the Transportation Authority of Marin. Uh, remind me, how regimented is that? Because if, if there's another revenue source that comes in, it might cause us to want to rethink some of the local dollars uh, that we have through our own measure. Um, but I'm thinking there might be a timing issue here of, you know, when one were to pass in 2026 and the reset we have with TAM, mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we might want to be a little more flexible. Just want to get your general thoughts on that. Yes, my understanding is, I think this is what you're referring to, is that, that the TAM expenditure plan for Measure AA does have a, a provision that you can reconsider the elements of that. In other words, the, the shares that are currently allocated to the different types of, of improvements. So, um, yeah, the timing on that would be very interesting because you're right, if it's 2026, there, I believe that TAM's uh, reconsideration of the expenditure plan will occur at the same time roughly. And I don't have it month by month, but it seems like it would be around the same time. Yeah. But as far as the allocation we get, is that mostly flexible? Would we have to review kind of our strategic plan? If we have another source of revenue that's yeah. coming with very specific funding, you know, says it can only be used on a per, uh, you know, a certain program or a certain, we might want to remove some or move some of our funds around. Within, within the 55%. Within the 55%. I'm sorry. Okay. I, I thought you meant within the broader measure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, yes, there is some, there is definitely some flexibility. Some, uh, as you recall, there are really five categories, but uh, the local transit one in some ways is flexible. We have used that in the past for a number of things like student transportation, as an example. So right now, we are committed to 5% for student transportation. Now, I'm going to have to remember all the percentages, but um, the, the, we have a cap, very small amount. I think it's about 2% for capital. And then we have a, the um, older adults and, and people with disabilities category, uh, and then local transit. And I feel like I'm missing one. Rural, well, yeah. thank you. Rural transportation, yes. So there is some flexibility, again, within the, the local is the area where we find the most flexibility to potentially use on some of those other categories we, we do currently. Gotcha. Okay, yeah, something just to keep an eye on if this past, you know, we, we might, there might be a request from TAM to, re, you know, adjust some of those categories based off of the new funding coming in. Hopefully all the money is as flexible as it can be, but that's not always the case. Right, yeah. exactly. All right, no, good thank point. you. Yes. Additional questions? Uh, Director Mullen-Peters? Yeah. Nancy, uh, I, I appreciate these uh, principles very much. I, they're very clear. I wonder if you could comment a little bit on the uh, last area, governance and oversight. We've heard a lot about um, consolidation of transit agencies. There seems to be a theme that this is the panacea. Uh, and so I wonder if you could just comment generally and also about the efforts that the North Bay is currently making right now on yeah. coordination. Sure. So um, yes, there are there are a couple of bills, as I mentioned, that are pending, and there's definitely been for many years uh, in the Bay Area uh, an issue about consolidating transit agencies. There are 27 transit agencies in the Bay Area. There are nine counties. It's a you know 10 million people or so, and so it's a large area. Um, the I think the issue about consolidation really is how how does that go about, and what are the benefits? 
Um, I think some of the agencies are concerned that when the consolidation occurs, it often occurs where those smaller agencies are folded into larger agencies. And what may happen then, of course, is a loss of some of that local service and local control. And then it also pairs up with the measures, you know, like you're just talking about measure AA, and we have mandates to spend money in certain ways. So um, it doesn't, you know, that you have to reconcile that. And then lastly, um, especially with the consolidations into larger agencies, they tend to have structures that are and uh, um, collective bargaining agreements that tend to have higher costs than than a smaller agencies. And so when we compare that, it looks like you would end up with higher costs and less service, right? Or less and or less service. So so that's a concern, I think, by a number of, of smaller agencies. I can say that there have been some successful uh, agency consolidations where there is definitely overlap in, in service areas and where there was some benefit that was not necessarily an economic uh, situation that I just described where you went to the higher costs. It was where you could basically keep costs neutral. Uh, so that's one of the reasons we have cost effectiveness in here, I think is that's that's an issue. Um, so I, I, I think uh, if I can just comment then a little bit more on specifics about the Marin and Sonoma, we we yeah we have recently started an initiative to co do better coordination among the transit agencies serving the 101 corridor. That's the primary focus, and so we think that we're we're going to be able to optimize the service on the corridor so we don't have the duplication, but we do have a certain amount of redundancy that's needed. And we want to do that in a cost-effective way, too. So we'll be looking at, at that and, and already working on things like our schedule coordination uh, so that we all change schedules at the same time, which is really important for the rider when you go and you want to know that on a certain date that your bus schedule will change, your smart schedule will change, that sort of thing. We're also working on a change at the San Rafael Transit Center so that the Golden Gate buses can meet both the smart trains and that some of them are in service better. So those are the kinds of things we're working on. We think that that's far more effective than a consolidation where I know it's been suggested, well, Golden Gate could take over all of the small operators in the area. We would also then operate probably a half of the service that we operate in the North Bay. So um, I, I just one other comment is I do think that you're right. The sub-regional uh, focus is a good one for these sorts of uh, coordination efforts. And I think it's something that we will be pushing for as we look at this RNM work. Uh, so, yeah, something to, to keep on um, on our minds there. Okay. Additional questions? All right, I'm not. Oh, please. Actually, I've got a question for um, uh, Director Moulton Peters. So, when you look at these principles, does it feel like we're we're hitting on all the right areas? And yeah, it really does. Um, Director Rice, I, I really want to appreciate Nancy and Ann Richmond. The clarity here is tremendous. And the focus is on transit, which it should be, and then first last mile connections, which are needed. Uh, the return to source is an important component, and I was glad that was called out. And then um, finally, under the governance, the discussion we just had, the North Bay is really a trendsetter now in this effort to coordinate service and show improvements and efficiencies that way. So for me, this is very helpful as guidance. I will, I will say in all candor that in some counties like Sonoma County, but also Contra Costa and Part Marin, 
There is some discussion about uh, what it will take beyond these very targeted principles to get this issue to pass with all counties. And some of the counties which are less uh, transit dependent, I would say, uh, their needs will need, need consideration, whether it's filling more potholes or what have you. Most of that I put under the first last mile or the item here on uh, uh, transit uh, priority projects on our arterials. But I do, I do want to say that. But for me, this is great to have this kind of guidance and direction. Just one other. So one, one of the things I'm thinking about, Nancy, and I'm not sure if it, I, I think it's probably covered in here, is we didn't talk that much about Contra Costa County. And I think about the number of folks who commute back and forth between here and Contra Costa County. Um, and the discussion that's happening around the Richmond San Rafael Bridge and what that's going to look like in the future. And, and this is really longer range planning, um, but I, I don't want to leave Contra Costa out of the picture. And when we, when we think about regional and even sub-regional, mm -hmm. um, so I, um, I just want to raise, raise that. If I may, just on that, there, there is a, a regional planning effort uh, uh, that has to do with a long-range plan called, and I'm going to get the name wrong, because it's got so many names of different planning efforts, but it's 2050 plus, and it's the transit focus of the long-range plan that MTC does. And, and those corridors that you're talking about actually are addressed. And in fact, most recently, I've just seen a presentation where they show that the, those are gaps, uh, specifically on our underserved areas on the, the 580 corridor and the Richmond Bridge corridor as well as 37. So yeah, definitely something to be addressed. Uh, seeing no more questions. Uh, I'm not seeing any public comment in the room, Kate. Any public comment online? I'll give everyone a moment to raise their hands on Zoom. There are no raised hands on Zoom, thank you. All right, well then let's bring it back for director comments and disposition. Who would care to lead off? All right, I'm not seeing any. Um, I will say uh, thank you, Director Rice, for your comments and Director Moulton Peters, thank you um, as our NGC rep for sort of providing the prisms of what that looks like. Um, all I'll say is thank you, uh, Nancy, for your partnership with Ann Richmond and Tam. Um, I really appreciate it and I, I uh, I look forward to focusing on the reasonable ask of voters. But with that, I will uh, take a motion. I'll move the item and the guiding principles. First by Director Lucan. Second. Second by Director Rice. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? None. Motion passes unanimously. We will now move on to item number, let's see, I'm trying to keep track of where we're at. Item, formerly item number 10, which is now item number five, the revised board meeting calendar and procurement policy revision. Did I get that right, Nancy? Yes, that's Excellent. Correct. Okay. So there you go. Okay. So moving right on to here to item 10. Um, some of the board members have asked our staff to consider having board meetings every other month rather than monthly. And we have taken a look at that. Um, we've reviewed the board agendas for the past couple of years and have identified board action items that are most time critical during the year. And based on that review, uh, we believe it is possible to move from a 12 meetings per year to seven per year um, based on the schedule that's attached, <clears throat> excuse me, in your packet. 
And we also ask at the same time that the general manager's contract authority is increased um, to help us make sure that all of our business needs are met. So um, just to review quickly the kind of areas that we were looking at, the uh, general manager contract authority currently requires all items that are, or all contracts for goods and services that are in excess of 150, excuse me, of $50,000 to be awarded uh, by approval of the board and that the general manager is authorized to award contracts that valued less than $50,000. So that's the current policy. So we looked at the procurement thresholds for other transit agencies in the area to determine if their uh, boards and general managers contract uh, awards, how those compare to their meeting schedules. And there's a little chart in your packet, but it does show that of the four agencies that we looked at, Golden Gate, SMART, uh, WETA, and the County Connection uh, out in Contra Costa, the GM authority is uh, between 100 and $250,000, and all of those boards are meeting, meeting monthly. So the next thing that we did was we looked at our contracts awarded for the past year, the calendar year 2023, and we identified that there were 28 contract actions that were approved by your board, and of these, 16 uh, contract actions were between 50 and 150,000. So under 50,000 were under the GM authority, and then um, the, there were 16 additional actions between 50 and $150,000. So uh, moving to a, a two month, uh, excuse me, a, a calendar that only has uh, seven meetings per year, we thought that we were recommending, excuse me, changing the procurement policy to increase the general manager's approval authority to contracts valued at or less than $150,000. Um, so that would then take us to the, so that would be the change to the procurement policy and then change to the board meeting schedule would be that we would have meetings held in the even numbered months and um, additionally in the month of May. We've asked for that meeting mostly for the approval or not the approval, but the review of a draft budget annually. And with that, um, in the odd number of months, we propose to provide an information packet to the board and the public that would be posted that would cover the uh, non-action items that are just information items uh, that we could provide like a monthly report, the quarterly financial report, report, the quarterly performance report, our legislative reports, and then we would add a monthly contracts report that would be contracts that were approved by the general manager during the previous month. Um, so that essentially that again that the action we're asking is really two part. One is adoption of a revised board meeting calendar or schedule for 2024, which is attachment A, and then um, the approval of a revised procurement policy that increases the general manager's authority to uh, contracts at uh, or less than $150,000. Happy to take any questions. Thank you, Nancy. Questions? Uh, Director Sackett. Yeah, so I'm just thinking, is, is, so you're suggesting that in the off months, a packet would be developed. I guess I'm thinking about the, the amount of staff time and resources that takes and the value of, and frankly, whether it's consumed. Um, and so would welcome your thoughts on whether that's the best approach versus wrapping that into the next month's board meeting. 
Yes, you're, you're right. It could be done either way. One of the reasons, uh, I'd love to get your feedback on this, we thought that perhaps providing that information in the odd number of months, that uh, it would actually be reviewed instead of having such a large packet um, in the even numbered months. It also, frankly, smooths out our workload if we have that deadline to put together the information that we, we would be normally putting together for the board packet anyway. And because they are monthly items, it doesn't necessarily save us time. You know, if we're doing a monthly report, uh, you know, for a, a given month and then a second month, so that uh, we would do them. Yeah, I don't know that it would save us a lot of time in terms of actual preparation. Um, you're right, for the posting, there may be a little bit of time saved. But if, um, if, if you think that it, it actually is ineffective and that, and that it might get lost, uh, happy to you know, defer that or you know, change it so that it is provided during the regular uh, meeting months. Again, recognizing bigger packet. Director Rodoni? Yeah, Nancy, thank you. I'm very supportive of uh, this procurement change. Question I have is, and it may be already in the procurement policy, are these contracts that have already been budgeted for only? In other words, not a brand new contract. It's not budgeted for. Right. If there are any any contracts that would take us above and beyond, uh, beyond our budgeted limits, we do have to come back to the board anyway. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Director Logan? Yeah, um, I, I agree. I think this is a, a good policy with regards to procurements. Uh, is there a dollar amount that you think would make sense to report back in the general manager's report? I know when we've done this at other agencies, we increased the amount, but we said, you know, anything over a certain dollar amount, we want it to be a part of the general manager's report at the next meeting. I don't know what that right threshold would be, but wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, um, my thinking was that we would probably just make it all the one, all of them. Um, we currently report to your board twice a year. So uh, we pr provide a procurement uh, history, if you will, that identifies all the procurements done in the previous six months and a look ahead to identify what's coming down the pike. And I, we would, I was thinking we'd do a similar thing on a monthly basis, but just for the the past procurements. So it would be all of them, and we don't we don't have that many every month. <laughs> so I don't think it would be onerous in any way, or uh, you know, very lengthy. I think that'd be great if, well, it actually be every other month if, if we are just doing this one. But yeah, one slide, general manager report. These are the procurements that were $50,000 or actually between the $50,000 and $150,000. That would be perfect. Sure. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Any additional questions? Seeing none. Uh, Kate, do we have any uh, public comment online? None in the room. I'll give everyone a moment to raise their hands on Zoom. They're going to raise hands on Zoom. Thank you. All right, let's bring it back here. Commentary from my colleagues. Director Bushy. A uh, quick uh, suggestion. Um, I um, support the um, report report only months. Mm -hmm. um, it would be most helpful, though, um, sort of following up on um, Commissioner uh, Sackett's suggestion that it could get lost. You know, if you send mm -hmm. us, you know, a 250-page um, report document. Um, we don't know where to dive in. So my suggestion might be that you include sort of a highlights or um, points of controversy um, or things that will be um, that that we'll need for the future um, so that we can um, have a little bit of a, of a, a quick and easy um, roadmap to dive into all the documents that we'd be getting on the um, months that we would not have the pleasure of each other's company. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Thank you for that suggestion. Uh, any additional commentary? 
All right, seeing none. Motion? I'll move. I'll second. Uh, first by Director Sackett, second by Director Moulton Peters. All in favor? Aye. Uh, any opposed? None. Motion passes. We now resume with number six, which is actually number six. <laughs> the Mirror Wood Shuttle Evaluation for the 2023 season. Great. Um, Asher is going to present this item. <clears throat> All right. Uh, good morning, President Colbert and members of the board. My name is Asher Butnick, Senior Transit Planner with Marin Transit. And item number six in your packet this morning is the Mirror Wood Shuttle Evaluation for the 2023 season. Uh, go ahead and skip two slides. I'm going to be skipping a couple slides just in the interest of time here, but I'm happy to answer any questions about slides I don't have time to talk about. Uh, in total, there were 126 days of service on the shuttle in 2023. We operated a short season that ended in October instead of going through the end of the year. And also the frequency of the shuttle on days it was running was lower than it was in prior years. So in total, just bear in mind, as you see this report, that there were 18% fewer days and 30% fewer trips in total over the course of the year. From January through October, it operated on weekends and holidays. And then from mid-June to mid-August, it also operated on weekdays. All weekend and holiday service operated from the Larkspur Ferry Terminal and weekday service operated from the Sausalito Ferry Terminal. On Memorial Day weekend, Bowers took over shuttle operation. This was done to improve shuttle reliability, a goal which has been highly successful. The passenger survey that was conducted in the summer of 2023 confirmed that riders are enjoying Bowers service delivery with over 90% rating it excellent or very good. Next slide. And the next one. During the 2023 season, the shuttle carried a total of 61,120 passengers. This represents a decrease of 28% from the prior year. The shuttle carried 1,257 passengers on the Sunday of Memorial Day weekend, which was the highest ridership day of the year and represented 14% of park visitors on that day. The shuttle decreased relative to the prior year is because there was less service offered, as I previously discussed. Next slide. Uh, this slide shows total ridership by month over the past five seasons. Although ridership in 2023 lagged behind 2022, that is because there was less service offered, and you can see that the general seasonal trend is similar to prior years, with June, July, and August having the highest ridership, especially July. Uh, next slide. Uh, and this shows productivity and passengers by revenue hour, but I'm going to focus on the following slide, which shows productivity as passengers per trip. Um, you can see that the number of passengers per trip increased slightly, 3% from the prior year. So the number of revenue hours per trip did increase when we moved park and ride service from Bohono to uh, Larkspur. But the interest in the service has been increasing, and that is why we're seeing an increase in the number of passengers per trip. Next slide. Uh, on days the shuttle was operating in 2023, 8% of park visitors on average used the shuttle to get to and from their destination. This is lower than last year, but aligns with the reduction in number of trips per day. On busy days, up to 15% of visitors use the shuttle. We expect to see a mode share increase as uh, the park gets more crowded and more people are visiting, the parking lot fills up and people use the shuttle instead. Um, I'll now move on to the financial metrics. Go ahead and show the next slide. The total cost for the 2023 season was about $1.25 million, which includes direct operating costs, maintenance, marketing, signage, and other admin costs. The cost this season was 41% higher than 22 and comes out to $241 per hour on average. 
the cost increases due to three things. First, the Bowers contract had a higher rate than the old MV contract. Although do note that in, under the new contract, Bowers is providing the vehicles and the previous costs did not include vehicle depreciation on the Marin Transit owned vehicles that MV was using. Um, the second is that now that all service is running from Larkspur or Sausalito, there are longer trips, which then leads to higher costs. And the third is that to provide accessible service, we also ran complementary accessible service through TransDev. Uh, the next slide shows uh, fair revenue, uh, but I'm instead going to focus on the following slide, which shows our cost sharing uh, program with NPS. Um, Marine Transit was responsible for 47% of the $1.25 million program cost in 2023. Uh, there was a new cooperative agreement signed with NPS in mid-2023, which caps Marine Transit's program contributions in the future at $400,000 per year. So under the uh, Estimated $1.1 million program cost for 2024, Marin Transit would be responsible for 36% of that. Um, the next uh, item in the packet, we'll talk more about the 2024 season. So you'll hear more about that cost estimate then. Uh, next slide. So now moving on to uh, the future considerations on 2024. Next slide. Um, under the Bowers contract, shuttle operations have moved to a turnkey model where the contractor provides all of the vehicles. Staff are currently planning on doing a truncated season in 2024 with weekends and holiday service resuming in the spring, hopefully late March and running through October. Staff also plan on providing weekday service during the summer peak again. The board adding directly after this one will have more information on that. Uh, like last year, the shuttle will again use the Larkspur Ferry Terminal for weekend and holiday service and the Sausalito Ferry Terminal for summer weekday service. Staff are also monitoring upcoming construction on roadways and parking lots that service near woods. And I'll now take any questions. Thank you for the report. Questions? Uh, I'm not seeing any questions. Yeah, I think so. So, <clears throat> Asher, if you were to sum it up, this is a, you know, it's a high quality service. We pay a premium for it. Ridership is down. <laughs> and, but it was our option to keep it all going. Is well, right? rider, ridership is down in total because service is down in total. Ridership relative to the amount of service offered is slightly increased by about 3%. And I, and the park visitorship, has that come back since COVID? It is coming back, but it's not fully back to what it was pre-COVID. So that's a factor too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had uh, mentioned to our executive director that I'd like to have a longer, deeper dive into this. I think today is not the day for it, but it... I'm glad we continue going. I'm glad the service quality is great. I I do wonder what we can do to kind of encourage more ridership in the future. Uh, so anyway, leave it as an open question. Yeah, Brian, if I may. Yeah, please. Yeah, and I think this is happening, but hopefully MPS is monitoring the traffic and increases in traffic related to less surface because I think that's important for them. It's important for us too, but important for them and certainly the residents there. If we start having problems out there again, this service is going to be the solution for it. So I'm glad that the Park Service has stepped up with a contribution that's uh, more appropriate probably and reduced our costs. So I think that's a good thing. So congratulations on getting that done. Uh, Director Saget? Yeah, just on the note of monitoring future construction in a parking lot and roadway, are you anticipating that's going to induce more ridership 
if a parking lot's closed for a time period or there's one lane or what does monitoring mean? Well, so the, probably Robert can speak to this better than I can, but the construction that we're aware of is one of the roads that we currently use for the shuttle route is going to be closed for construction in 2025, I believe. 26. And so we are going to have to, at some point in the not so distant future, think about alternative routes for the shuttle, which may affect vehicle size and therefore kind of the mode of service delivery. Do you want me to add on that? Good morning, Director. Robert Best, Director of Operations. Um, yes, as as Usher mentioned, we do we are anticipating impacts to our route to get into Muir Woods. We also anticipate that the main parking area is going to be undergoing a fairly significant construction project that MPS will be taking on. We don't have exact dates, but probably 2025, 26 timeframe, which may not only impact the routing to get to and from the woods, but also where we load and unload passengers at the woods. So um, yes, we are trying to be nimble in the future to allow us to uh, respond to those changes. It may increase ridership because parking may be impacted, but it may also impact the size of vehicles we can operate based on the route we can take to get to the woods, which may impact our capacity. Director Moulton-Peters? Yeah, um, I wanted to thank Director Rodoni for um, talking about congestion and traffic uh, on the way to the parks. And I wondered... Uh, I, I know you work closely with NPS, and do they get a presentation like this, uh, just looking at the overall service and constraints? Is that just part of the working relationship? So we do discuss this with them on a regular basis. We also produce a written report every year. Um, typically, we do the pre board presentation and the report at the same time, but because of the upcoming action on a 2024 contract, we move the presentation up this year. So the full report that we provide to NPS is not yet ready. Um, but you will see it when it is completed. Okay. And then could you just explain, you, there was something about NPS not passing through the fares anymore, and I didn't fully understand that. Yes. So under the uh, new cooperative agreement with NPS, Marin Transit's contribution is capped. Um, so the, the it no longer involves passing through the fares because Marin Transit just will not pay above $400,000 per year. Under mm -hmm. the old cooperative agreement, the fares were deducted from the total costs and then the remaining costs were split 50-50 up until a certain number of revenue hours. But under the new cooperative agreement, we no longer do it by revenue hours, we just do it by pure costs. And so fares are no longer passed through. If I can, who gets the fares? Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it effectively becomes part of NPS's contribution, right? Yeah. Additional questions? Thank you. Kate, any public comment online? I'll give everyone a moment to raise their hands on Zoom. There are no raised hands on Zoom. Thank you. Any director commentary on this? Director Rice? Yeah, uh, just I'm, I've been thinking about um, how visitor, visitor, visitorship may have changed uh, and over the last five and even 10 years. Um, and I do think for context, it would be really um, good for us to understand that the next presentation sort of to, to, and to the degree that the park, that NPS can provide this information is uh, the number of visitors arriving total 
total paying, paying a park entrance fee, the degree to which they know how many folks are hiking in, and then that split in terms of those who are paying um, at the gate, as it were, between shuttle and uh, driving solo, just to understand the context, because I'm, I'm thinking that demand for the shuttle goes down if they have plenty of reservation slots open and just sort of understanding how that balances out. But I also suspect that there's more people hiking than that used to. I don't, I'm then used to it. Maybe that's just um, speculation. Harder to measure too, but it is a changing visitor landscape there, I think. And I think the reservation system has been absolutely key. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks. But I appreciate the port and I think it's been a great service. Any uh, additional director comments? I just have one quick question. When this comes back to us um, at the end of the season? Yeah, the report that we provide MPS will be given to you in when April. April. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, great. Thanks. Uh, motion? So moved. First by Director Lucan, second by Director Bolton Peters. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? None. We'll move on to item number seven, which is the award uh, operating contract for Mirwood Shuttle. This is also an action item. Yes. And Kyle French and Robert Betts are going to make this presentation. All right. Uh, good morning, President Colbert and members of the board. Thank you for your time today. Uh, item seven on your agenda is for your consideration and approval for the operations and maintenance contract for the Mirwood Shuttle. Uh, now, as you know, our mission on the Mirror Woods Shuttle is to provide a meaningful method of traffic mitigation to and from the woods in a way that is comfortable, reliable, and of course, above all else, safe. Uh, as was mentioned last season, we revamped our service into a pilot program that brought a newer, more turnkey service into the fold provided by our pilot operator, Bowers Intelligent Transportation, uh, removed variables and route timing, and overall reduced cancellations by over 95% compared to previously operated service. Uh, after the public positive reception of our program last year, staff recommends that you approve our general manager to negotiate the award of a contract to Bowers Intelligent Transportation uh, for year one of an extended contract to Muir Woods. Uh, two key items have happened since the conclusion of our service in 2023. Uh, the first, as was mentioned, we do have our new cost sharing agreement in place with the National Parks Service. Uh, just to reiterate, that caps the Marin Transit contribution to the program at either 50% of operating costs or $400,000, whichever is the fewer of the two. Uh, staff also released an RFP for service in December. Uh, items were downloaded by 11 vendors. Staff met with four vendors in a pre-bid meeting. And at the close of the RFP, we had received only one bid, which was determined to be responsive, complete, and fairly priced. As it was last year, all vehicles, maintenance activities, and key staff will be provided by the contractor, Bowers Intelligent Transportation. All vehicles will have a minimum of 25 seats available for ticket sales and will be no more than 35 feet long to accommodate the vehicle length restrictions and route. Uh, schedules, service levels, and departure times have all been discussed with the National Parks team and will be ironed out and finalized before the contract signing. Overall, the estimated $1.1 million program cost includes the contract cost and dedicated costs to Marin Transit like staff time, uh, marketing and auxiliary uh, contracts and uh, marketing. Uh, the contract cost for year one is estimated to be about 892,000 with an escalation of between one and 5% through each option year. 
to allow the scheduling flexibility with our year one service, our staff recommends that your board authorize the GM to negotiate a contract term with Bowers not to exceed $1 million, understanding, of course, that the Marin Transit share of that cost will remain capped at a maximum of 400000 Future option years will be brought to your board at the start of each season for further financial and staff involvement updates. Are you just hanging out, Robert? Just hanging out. All right, nice. Uh, any questions for my fellow directors? <laughs> Director Lucan. <laughs> We're all just hanging out. Um, uh, as far as the cooperative agreement we have with uh, uh, National Parks, uh, how does that time up with this? And if we are seeing escalating costs, um, I mean, they're, they're obviously going to be paying a larger portion. So how does that all work with the three different parties? Yeah, I, you're speaking about costs in particular. Yeah. Um, so, and Robert, you need to chime in here, but but basically, again, we have a, a cap on our, our amount. And so each year, the staff get with the NPS staff and identify how much service is going to be operated, because effectively, we determine kind of a financial envelope with NPS. So we're capped at 400. They have an amount right now, it's about 700 that they're they're putting in, and then figure out what the best service is. So which days, you know, weekends, not weekends, you know, how much service is going to be provided. So, um, but right now in this cooperative agreement, we were capped at that 400,000. There is an escalation though. And what would the amount? Go yeah, ahead. correct. So year one is capped at 400,000 and then our contribution escalates based on the contract escalation. So if, if our contract with Bauer goes up 2% in the second year, our 400,000 would also go up by 2% the second year. So it's tied to our operating agreement. Gotcha. But is the cooperative agreement a, a multi-year agreement or is it, is it reevaluated every year to coincide with the option years we have in this contract? It does have to be, be it's a multi-year agreement. I think it's six or seven years, but every year we, um, we, Resign the the agreement. So we, I think effectively it's a we agree to a budget and a, and sign that for annually. Sounds so, good. Yeah. Well, it seems like you guys did a great great job negotiating that. So nice work, Director Walton Peters. Yeah, uh, just briefly, I'm aware that uh, uh, Grand Canyon, Grand Canyon Yosemite used to operate shuttles. I don't know if they do anymore, and maybe Zion has shuttles. And I just wondered. Uh, if we what their programs look like uh, and just whether that informs some of what we do or if ours is you know unique and kind of groundbreaking on our own I, I think ours is a little bit unique I think um, they often look at our program as a model for other national park services where transit steps in and partners with uh, the national parks. I think tradition or typically when shuttle service is offered, it's offered through the concessionaire contract. So the same folks that are managing perhaps the accommodations and the concessions are also managing the shuttle as part of a larger contract. Um, I think what national parks likes about this relationship is we bring the expertise and the oversight um, for the transit service specifically, that oftentimes um, national parks doesn't have in-house. Great. That's great to understand because it, it tells me what we contribute in addition to financial support and our technical expertise is probably just as valuable, if not more. So thank you. So you know our director questions. Kate, any public comment online? I'll give everyone a moment to raise their hands on Zoom. There are no raised hands on Zoom. Thank you. Let's bring it back. 
Uh, I'll move this item as recommended by staff. First by Rodoni. Second. By uh, Director Milton Peters, all in favor? Aye. Any opposed? None. Passes. We now move on to item number eight, addition of one full-time staff position. Yes, and uh, our Director of Administrative Services, Holly Lundgren, will be presenting this item. Good morning, President Colbert, members of the board. As Nancy said, I'm Holly Lundgren, Director of Administrative Services. I'm here today to request your board authorize the addition of one full-time position to the district's operations department. Justification for this new position is outlined in the board letter, but I'd like to highlight three areas of increased workload for the operations team. The first area is school service support. As you are aware, efforts associated with managing and coordinating school services have increased in recent years. In particular, the Ross Valley Yellow Bus Program, managed directly by staff, is hampered by the lack of district-owned facilities, increasing costs, high demand for passes, and insufficient funding. Parent communications more than doubled during the current school year in the Ross Valley program. And it was necessary to hire a part-time temporary employee during the summer to assist with the school program. The second area is bus stop maintenance. The district is now responsible for an additional 240 bus stops and shelters due to Golden Gate Transit eliminating service countywide to hundreds of stops and the elimination of advertising and city maintained bus shelters. Staff are responsible for communicating with the public, local jurisdictions, operations contractors, and the maintenance contractor on all bus stop maintenance issues. And lastly, rider communication and information. While technology improves our ability to track and monitor operations, it increases rider expectations and staff responsibilities. Real-time bus arrival information needs to be supplemented with real-time delays, detours, and missed trips. The operations team is responsible for supporting this data and communication. An additional staff member will create an even stronger operations team able to manage this increase in workload. If the position is approved today, Marin Transit will have a total of 20.2 full-time employees as shown in the org chart in your packet. Um, due to position vacancies in this current fiscal, fiscal year, no budget amendment is needed to add the new staff position Additional salary and benefits costs for the upcoming fiscal year are estimated to be $132,000 to $170,000 per year, depending on the starting salary at the analyst level. We are currently recruiting for one vacant operations analyst position, and with your approval today, we will begin recruiting for two. Thank you. Happy to answer any questions. Thank you for the report. Uh, director, questions? Seeing none, public comment online, Kate? I'll give everyone a moment to raise their hands on Zoom. There are no raised hands on Zoom. Thank you. Let's bring it back up here. Comments or a motion? Quick comment. Please. Just to reinforce the school uh, bus programs, um, that is a, an area that is highly visible to, to the public and a place that this agency is on. Um, Intercease growth for the future, I think. Um, so very much um, supportive of that focus um, for this analyst because that's going to lay the foundation uh, for, for the future. So very much um, in favor of moving forward with um, with this proposal, understanding where the, where the focus is going to be. So. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Director Sackett, comments? 
Dr. Martin-Peters, comment? Yeah, I'm supportive of this proposal. Transit is a, at a real inflection point at this point because of COVID. And uh, coming back, uh, we're trying to promote transit. And I agree, uh, Director Bushy, that any uh, school bus riders that we can cultivate now are more likely to be transit riders in the future. So I think they need the extra care and TLC. So I'm supportive of this. I'll just uh, add one quick comment. I just want to acknowledge that Marine Transit did a, a lot of heavy lifting for the Ross Valley Yellow Bus Program. So thank you very much for that. Director Saget? I'm happy to move this motion. First, this by, first by Director Saget, second by Director Bushy. All in favor? Any opposed? None. We now move on to our final item of the day. I think I got that right, Nancy, right? Open time for public expression. None in the room. Kate, any online? I'll give everyone a moment to raise their hands on Zoom. There are no raised hands on Zoom. Thank you. We will close open time for public expression, and we are adjourned. Very efficient.